how about that? Your goodness is running after me. Thank you so much, praise team, for reminding us of the goodness of God. And it is because of the goodness of God that is why you are here. Could somebody say amen for God? Happy Sabbath, uh, God's people. We don't have a lot of time, so if you have your Bibles, I'm just going to ask you to quickly jump with me to the book of Ezra. And uh, we're going to be looking at Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 1. And I was going to read all of these verses, but I want to be uh, economical with the time. So I'm just going to read a few verses. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, and then I'm going to jump to verse number 23 to 24. If you got it, just shout amen. That was not a shout. It was a whisper. And I think you're not there yet. Harry, I know you're not there yet. Okay, all right, I, I see you, I see you. Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 1, if you got it, say amen. Sharon, I don't hear you, amen. Okay, all right. Verse number 1 says, Now, you got to pay attention to time in the scriptures. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard, heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you. Notice the reason. For we worship your God as you do and have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here? But Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, a son of Babylon. He was a Jew, born in Babylon. Zerubbabel, a son of Babylon. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, another form of the name Jesus. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the father's houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us, building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. When I was growing up, sometimes I'd be asking people information and they'll tell me, none of your business. And right here, the Jews are offered help to build the temple and they said, none of your business. Jump to verse 23 for a second. Then when the copy of King Arzex's letter was read before Rehom and Shimshai, the scribe and their associates, they went in haste to the Jews at Jerusalem and by force and power made them seize. Then the work of the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Today the topic is called, We Worship the Resistance. We worship the resistance. Let us pray. Mighty God, thank you that you are mighty beyond understanding. Thank you that you are a God who knows how to part red seas. And thank you, a God who knows how to manipulate technology. And thank you, you're a God that who knows how to use a sinful human being like me. And I'm asking you, Father, that in this moment you will take my weakness and apply your strength to it 
you take my foolishness and apply your wisdom to it, oh God. Please do something miraculous today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, last week, Pastor Sam left us with a mantra. He left us with a chant saying that you've got to rebuild. And in fact, he said, worship begins with rebuilding. You guys remember that? Pastor Sam, they don't remember, so you might have to come up here and re-preach that again. But he said that we have got to rebuild. And, 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 and the thing that I loved about what he was talking about, and I hope that you're going to relate to what I'm saying and, and, and listen to what we're talking about in this series, is that worship is really an everyday thing. You've got to start treating your work as worship. You've got to start treating how you parent your kids as worship. You've got to treat your dating life as worship. Worship is really everything human. So Pastor Sam told us last Sabbath, hey, you've got to rebuild. Go back to the ruins. Fix it up. Set up the altar and let's get things going. And perhaps you, you listen to that sermon and you say, Pastor Sam is correct. I agree with that. And now you want to rebuild, but you don't have material. You don't have the resources to get the business off the ground. In fact, the moment you wanted to buy the house, you went bankrupt. Or the bank doesn't want to loan you the money. You want to start the, the project, but you don't have the education. You want to get into the relationship, but you don't know how to be in a relationship. So yes, pastor, I want to rebuild, but I am facing resistance. I have a roadblock that I have to get through. You have come to the right place because today I want to challenge you and encourage you that you actually can rebuild. And please do not quit just because there's a little bit of difficulty. Please do not stop just because some people don't agree with the vision. Please do not give it up just because you don't have the loan yet. I'm here to, tell, to let you know and encourage you that in spite of the resistance, please push on. Please continue to go ahead. And let me begin by encouraging you with this thought. You see, when you face resistance, it means that you are doing something great. See, I'm preaching better than you guys are saying amen. Now notice verse 1, the way it begins. Now when the adversaries of the people of Judah and Benjamin, when they heard that they were building a house to the Lord, you see, the, the, the people that had come back from Babylon, they were doing something great. They were building a house for God, a place for worship. And that is a great thing. And it's only proper that the moment they started to do something great, that resistance showed up. So I repeat it to you again this morning, that the moment you start to do something great, resistance is going to wake up and say, hey, let's talk. And here's a message for someone. Start treating resistance as affirmation, not disapproval. You see, if a colleague questions you at work, don't treat that as disapproval. Treat it as affirmation that, that he wants to question you to see if you have really thought about everything about this project. You have thought about the, the, the weaknesses and you've put together the strengths. You have, you have done your SWOT analysis. Uh, don't, don't be defensive. 
actually respond to the questions because the questions are saying that this is the right way. This is the way you should go. Don't stop. Amen, somebody. You see, parents, Jeff, when baby Alicia one day will tell you, Daddy, I want to do my homework alone. Parents, when your, your child tells you, I want to go on a date alone, mothers. Mm. Parents, when your son says, nah, I'm going to do this plan alone, don't treat that as disapproval. Treat that as affirmation. Your, your child has actually learned to be independent. And their parents listening to me right now, you're fighting your child because he's simply trying to be independent. And if he was not independent, you'd be like, hey, can you get out and start doing a job? And now he's being independent. You're fighting him. But in reality, his independence is saying, daddy, mommy, grandpa, grandma, you did a good job. So resistance is actually a sign that you're on the right path, that you're doing it well. And so don't give up. Don't quit. But I need you to notice what the text says about where the resistance came from. The Bible says, now the adversaries of Judah. Notice that they are called adversaries. You see, I need you to understand that when God starts to engineer something great in your life, Satan shows up. Satan showed up in the Garden of Eden. Satan showed up in Job's life. Satan showed up when Daniel needs interpretation from Angel Gabriel. Satan showed up when Jesus was being tempted and tried in the wilderness. Satan showed up when Jesus was on the cross. Satan showed up when Paul was preaching and going to places. And I want you to understand that Satan is still showing up today. And the, some of the resistance you're facing in your life is not because you're not pretty enough. It's not because you're not smart enough. It's not because you're not educated enough. It's not because you don't have the right re, uh, citizenship. It's simply because Satan is showing up and stopping you from taking flights. See, God wants some of you to be eagles. Satan wants you to be an ostrich. You see, God wants some of you to be a fighter jet. Satan wants you to be an ancot. See, Satan saying God is, is planning for you to, 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 to be iPhone level. <laughs> Satan says, let's stay at Nokia 2003 edition. Because the devil doesn't want to see you succeed. He doesn't want to see you move along. He doesn't want to see you progress. And he's going to hold you down to take you down. Notice. How the devil works, he has a framework that he applies. I want you to see it in the text. First, the devil will come to you with compromise. If compromise doesn't work, the devil is going to apply coercion. In other words, he's going to use force. If coercion does not work, the devil applies condemnation. You see, right on cue, as they're trying to build the house for the Lord... The devil showed up because that is, is his SOP. That is his modus operandi. That is how God works. That's how the devil works. And he applies any of these three tactics 
I don't have time to talk about all of them, but let me just talk about one of them, and that is compromise. Notice, as soon as they start to build the house of God, these adversaries who have heard that they're doing something for the Lord, they don't come mean, they come friendly. They're like, look, uh, we love God like you love God. In fact, we keep Sabbath like you keep Sabbath. We go to the temple like you go to the temple. And, and, and you don't have enough resources. And somebody's right there today. You don't have enough resources, right? So they're offering an opportunity to these guys who are building to help out. They, they say, let us build with you. Let us build with you because we have been worshiping your God and we've been sacrificing. We are the same religion. We are the same faith. We, 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 we are connected. But notice how the people rebuilding responded to this offer. Notice what they said. They said, you, Kamu, you have nothing to do with us. This is none of your business. We are doing this for God. We don't need your help. We don't need to be involved in this situation. And I want somebody to hear me today. Not every opportunity is an opportunity. Not every open door is an open door. Not every promotion is a promotion. It could just be the devil trying to get you and take you down. And you have got to know. You have got to understand when to say no. You got to be able to say, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> thank you. But not this particular time. Why? Because they could see that these are adversaries. They are here to compromise our standards. They are here to make us lose sight of the vision and the purpose. Just because they speak like you doesn't mean they're like you. Amen, somebody? Hmm. And somebody can, can look at the response of the Jews as somewhat exclusive. You know, we are living in a generation where it's all about cooperation and, and want to get along. We want to be friendly. And so this seems to be too fundamentalistic and too, too fanatical, the way they responded. But I love how one, 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 one wise teacher said it. He says, like, look, God's people, and that's you, amen. Amen, you are God's child, amen. Man, you're not a child of the devil, you're a child of God, so you, you got to say that with your chest. Amen. Amen. See, God's people today, 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 in 2023, October, what is it? October what? October 28. God's people today must maintain a separate position. Take it in, please. Take it in. God's people must maintain a separate position. And not get involved with anything that will compromise their testimony and hit a God's work. This is your position. This is your mentality. That look, I love you, but I love God more. We are friends, but I'm God's friend number one. We are family, but God is my family. 
And there is never anything in this world that's going to get between me and my God. You didn't climb on Calvary for me. Jesus did. You did not become human for me. Jesus did. You don't love me all the time. Jesus does. You don't protect me at night because you're sleeping, but God does. So I will not put more emphasis on a human being, on a relationship, on a company, on a church, on a business plan than God. Because none of those things can help me and save me and take care of me and change me. But too many times you and I think people save us. If we can just get the connection, oh, we're going to live up high. Child of God, I, told, I came to tell you that no, no, no. It could just be the devil trying to trap you and keep you down. So when you're trying to do something great, resistance is going to come. But I've often discovered that resistance actually works because most of the times we underestimate God. You see, the adversaries, when they were refused to build, what they decided to do is to write a letter to the king. And the king actually responded, and he, ted, he told them, tell them to stop. And the text says, the work, notice what, what the text says, the, 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 the Rehum and Shimshai described, and their associates, they went in haste to the Jews at Jerusalem and by force, coercion, force, and power, made them seize. Now, no, notice what happens. Then the work of the house of God that is in Jerusalem stops <laughs> and ceased until the second year of, until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So the resistance worked. They stopped them. And somebody today, it's right there. It has worked. They got you fired. So you don't want to work anymore. Or your, your plan wasn't accepted. So you don't want to try anymore. You and your family are not getting along, so you don't want to call anymore. The disease has beaten you so hard that you don't see a reason for faith any longer. The reality is the resistance works, Harry. It does. Because, watch this, we worship the resistance. You heard that? The sermon is called, We Worship the Resistance. But I'm changing it right here. That we worship the resistance. In other words, the resistance becomes God Almighty. And we feel like we are overpowered. We can't do anything about it. Hey, let's start the project. Ah, I got no money. And I hear it from some of you, oh, oh the kids don't, 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 don't like it, or the, the husband don't like it, or the wife don't like it. And what you're basically saying is, the resistance is more powerful than God. And you see, brother and sister, listen to me, you have got to be willing to, 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 to stretch out your faith beyond what's real so that it can work at 100% capacity. <laughs> 
Okay. You guys are not flowing. Let me try this. I'm looking at my brother, Jonathan. He's a real human being. I can see him. I can touch him. You know what I mean? And for many of us, that's faith. We can see it. We can touch it. Hello, man. How you doing? Eh. For many of us, that's faith. And we limit God to what we are seeing. We look at the Hamas and Israel situation. Okay, we, become, we become scared. We look at our bank account, Clint, and, and we're looking at the bills and, 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 and the, the transfer, it is not adding up. Right? So a lot of times our faith is stuck on what we can see. But I want you to understand that with God, you have got to go beyond what you can see. You've got to be able to say, I ain't got the money, but my God owns everything. And if he owns everything, what is this little money problem that I have that he cannot particularly solve? I'm not dating anyone, but I want to get married. Nobody's texting me. Nobody's checking out my, 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 my Instagram profile. But that doesn't matter because I know God said it is not good for man to be alone. So I know that at the right time, he's going to either put Adam to sleep or he's going to take out a rib out of Adam and he's going to bring me to him or to her. I ain't got the connections. I ain't got the connections. I'm going to talk about my brother Edwin. Let me, let me tell you about something that happened today. I came to church at 845. There was nobody here. So what I started to do, I started to set up the chairs. Now, please do not congratulate me as somebody who comes early, early to church. You know, it's my first time coming at 845, all right? But I came early today, and I was setting up the chairs, and I was doing my thing. And this is what happened. Edwin came. My brother right there, he came, and he started to set up stuff with me. I didn't ask him, but I just started setting up chairs, and he came to help me. Come on, child of God. Don't wait. If God has put it on your heart, have the faith to begin it, and as you're doing it, God is going to provide what you need, and that is faith. Faith doesn't work in, in the mind. Faith works when you're willing to put it into action and do something about it. So please apply. Please ask. Please connect. Make that phone call. Whatever you got to do. And as you're doing it, God is going to make it happen. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't even ask for that amen. You guys say the amen. That, 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 that's beautiful right there. You see, I want to argue I don't have too much time, that we often worship the resistance because we underestimate God. And the Jewish people, they had underestimated God. Yes, it was the king who said don't build. But really, it was because they didn't think God could do it. And the reason why I say that is because the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, they give us the inside story of the psychology of the people that were building the temple. And I want you to listen to it. Now the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name, oh, please catch this, in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Can I just park it right there? It was not the king who was over them. It was God who was over them. 
The, the text is saying it was God who was their boss. It was God who was their foreman. It was God who was their emperor. It was not the king. And that's the good news today. It is not your boss who's over you. It is God who's over you. It is not your parents. It is God who's over you. Amen, somebody? Now notice what the text says. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josiah, arose and began to build the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Here's a message for somebody. If God has given you the mandate to do something, please continue to do something. You have no reason to stop. You see, it's quite interesting that the Jewish people, they, they stopped building the temple because the king said don't build the temple. But the moment that the prophets started to preach to them, they started to rebuild the temple again, meaning they really didn't need the permission of the king. Meaning that the king was not the most important person or the most powerful person to them. Meaning that for you, the most important person is God, and there should be no human being who actually gets in your way to stop you. I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Because God is more powerful than the powerful. God is more powerful than the powerful. God is more powerful than the powerful. He is king. He is sovereign. He is, he is mighty. And, and the beautiful thing about the book of Ezra is that the book of Ezra helps us to understand and to see something beautiful. Is that the reason why the Jews went back to Babylon in the first place is because it was God who stirred up the king, Cyrus, to send the people back. So if God can stir up a king, is not God able to stir up the assets you don't have? If God can stir up the king, is God not able to stir up your difficult relative? If God can stir up a king, is God not able to stir up the heart of your spouse so that you guys are back in relationship and connected again? Child of God, God is the most powerful human being, the most powerful being in the world. And if you only can trust and put your faith in him, I believe that you and I can succeed and we can have victory. I'm almost ending. I'm almost ending. Here it is. Resistance works. Or resistance shows you that you're doing something great. Resistance works because we often underestimate God. And the only way, the only way we stop underestimating God is to maintain worship. I'm going to say that again. The only way we stop underestimating God is to maintain worship. So, Jeremy, I'm going to pick on you for a second, bro. So, on Wednesday, he decided to join me for training. So, Jeremy tells me, you know, Pastor, I haven't run for two months. So, immediately in my mind was, man, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to show him today that I'm a runner. <laughs> so, we rode up to Gebeka, and we were there running, and the program was... It's called fartlek, fartlek, meaning you run fast, you run slow, you run fast, you run slow. And the coach gave us two sets for 30, for 30 minutes. So we started together, me and Jeremy, running together, you know. And then at some point, I passed him. 
And then I'm like, you know, at the end of this run, he is going to know <laughs> that his pastor is really fit. But when we reached the 20-kilometer marker, Jeremy passed me. He didn't see that, but I saw it, and my ego took a hit. And, 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 and the point is, I was underestimating him, but the moment we exercised together, even though he had been sick for two months and not running, and I've been running all of those two months, yet he showed me up. Child of God, that's what worship will do for you. If you don't connect close to God, God seems powerless. He seems useless. He doesn't seem strong. But I'm saying to you, get closer. He can pass your income. Get closer. He can pass your plan. Get closer. He can help you fix your marriage. Get closer. You're wondering how you're going to make it? Please get closer. Because worship is a way for you to download God's presence in your life and for you to experience his power. But too many of us, you know what we do? Oh, worship is too long. I got to go somewhere. Somebody's looking at their watch right now. Pastor's ready to preach too long. But I know you're going to leave here and you're going to spend two hours watching a movie and you don't look at your watch. Now, now, I don't care whether you, 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 what you think about me, but I'm saying, what do you think about God? What do you think about worship? How important is he? And are you willing to say, you know what, God, I'm not going to look at the watch. <laughs> I'm going to worship. I'm going to connect. I'm going to be in your presence. Because the more you do that, you're going to see God's power. You see, there is something I want you to see. And I'm ending. The musicians can come. Two minutes. We're done. You see, pay attention. Don't miss this. You want to see God for who he really is? You got to worship him. Pay attention. Pay attention. Notice what the verse says. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. Notice. It says the returned exiles were building a temple. Where were they at? They were in Babylon. They were in a foreign land. They were captives. But what did God do? God returned them to the promised land. Just like how God took out the Israelites from Egypt and put them in the promised land. In the book of Ezra, we have Exodus 2.0 uh, showing to you and I, that God is able to save and to save and to save again. And so they have understood. We have been returned from the exile. We have been captives. But God has liberated us. We need a place of contact with God. We need a temple. We need a place to worship. You see, we don't worship because it's nice to be at church and worship. No, no, we worship because we have been returned. <laughs> And I love the fact that you and I were in the land of captivity and Jesus said, I'm going to die on the cross for their sins so that I can bring them back to the land of promise. And so the reason why I want to worship, the reason why I want to do something for God is because God has returned me. I was lost somewhere. I was forgotten somewhere. But God picked me up and brought me into his presence. And if you and I can only come to worship 
and the church with that spirit, I believe our worship will be more lively. But some of us, when we worship, it's like we've been eating lemons the whole week. Some of us, when we worship, we don't sing the songs. Some of us, when we worship, we're, oh, the ambience. And I'm like, man, what has God done for you? And it's because we forget that we've been returned. That is why our worship is, is, is meaningless. It's not as strong as it could be. Our Bible reading, yeah, we read, we don't remember. They came back from Babylon. That is why they worshipped. Where has God taken you from so that you can worship him better? And then you might say, Pastor, listen, not, not every day I feel like God has taken me from somewhere. <laughs> I don't feel like God has delivered me, and, and so I don't have that motivation to worship God as I should. I'm suggesting to you, do what they did. They built a temple. Because you know something about relationships. There is the excitement phase, and then there is the boring phase. And some relationships never go past the boring phase. They end up ending. It's exciting to meet God. It's exciting to worship God. But there comes a time when it's boring, when, when it's not easy to pray, when it's not easy to connect with the Lord, when you don't want to go to midweek, when you don't feel like coming to church. There comes that moment. What you need is a temple. Because the temple says, even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to go. Because God has said from morning to evening, I should go. And what I've learned about the, 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 the life experience is that sometimes your emotions have to catch up to your motion. That is, start exercising, start moving. And then as you start to do that, you're going to start to feel it again. Don't depend on your feelings. Depend on intentions. And so we worship, yes, in spite of the resistance. We worship, yes, in spite of the struggles. We worship, yes, in spite of what's going on. And I'm, I'm saying, let us worship, no matter what is disturbing us. And you're saying, Pastor, I want to worship. In spite of the resistance, there are challenges in my life. They have struggles. I have struggles. But I, I want to worship. Nothing is going to stop me. Anybody making that commitment with me today? Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, worship is not easy for us to do. So I'm asking you, Father, for you to help us <laughs> to worship. We're always resisting you and, and things get in the way and we're often distracted and disturbed. And, and, and so we, we put aside worship. So I'm asking you, Father, to help us today to worship in spite of the resistance. We want to be connected and, and committed. There's a brother listening to me, a sister listening to me that hasn't been worshiping. Please, Lord, help them to get back to worship, to be connected and to relate to you. So, Father, thank you because you're going to help us to worship. You're going to help us to go back to where we're supposed to go to. Thank you, O God, and just in my prayer. Amen.